The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome, everybody. This is Squawk Box. In your headlines this hour, the Dow plunges over a thousand points, dropping 3.5% to log its worst day in two years as the spread of coronavirus outside of Asia stokes fears about the economic impact of the disease. Stocks across Asia mostly extend declines as the Nikkei drops more than 3%, while US futures rise in overnight trade, pointing to a rebound on Wall Street. Yeah, a little bit of a bounce going on in oil prices, uh, back after falling nearly 4% in the previous session. Gold pairing its recent gains after safe haven buying sent the precious metal to a seven-year high. In a wide-ranging CNBC interview, Mr. Buffett, Warren Buffett, says the virus is having an impact on the number of Berkshire Hathaway businesses, but the market sell-off is a buying opportunity. I don't know how many 3% declines I've had in my lifetime, but there have been a lot of them. And uh, I, I can't think of one that you shouldn't have bought on, you know, basically. President Trump travels to New Delhi after kicking off his India trip with a massive rally and tour of the Taj Mahal. We hear from the president himself and Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi this hour of the show. So welcome to the program this morning and obviously we're going to spend some time here just talking about how the markets have behaved through the last 24 hours and this negative catalyst that COVID-19 has turned out to be for current trade. The Dow and the S&P 500 then putting in their worst day in two years, wiping out gains for 2020 as coronavirus fears royal global markets. A spike in cases outside of China, stoking concerns of an extended economic slowdown. Yeah, I've been through one or two of these in the last 32 years looking at the markets. And do you know what? I'm, I'm, I want to be quite relaxed about this. And I noticed our producers were very, very calm in the headlines. I'm glad they were because I only saw the word fears once. Because I want to remind you of something, ladies and gentlemen. Machines don't have fears. And that's the point, isn't it? Who was doing the selling yesterday and who was doing the buying? Because by and large, and we'll go through some of the US markets as I'm speaking as well. Have a look at the major US indices. Well, and as you can see, and I'll just step back with Jeff a little bit. NASDAQ down 3.7%, Dow down 3.5%, 3. 3.56%. It's machines doing the selling. You know that because when we see the program trading going through, the high frequency trades and that, most of it is done on an algorithmic basis as well. So by and large, this wasn't a load of emotive sellers going, oh my God, God, we must sell this market on the back of XYZ. In fact, you'll remember my commentary here of the previous session where I was saying it is so difficult to extrapolate until you see the economic data what is going on in the markets compared to the economy, compared with the underlying story and how that fits in with all the other underlying stories. So the fact is the previous session we ignored coronavirus. This session we were down a thousand points. 
what do you want to say? The machines were not getting more excited. It just meant the people who were potentially putting in those buy orders, who were putting in those buy back orders, etc. they just weren't there as well. We've got some technology names for you, as you can see. Uh, the NASDAQ was down a lot as well. Technology was down 4.2%. Some of the individual names, including Apple, of course, a lot of concerns about supply chains and what's going on over in Asia and specifically China, down 4.8% as well. But as you can see, very tight correlation. Look at that. Isn't that very interesting? Apple down 4 0.3%, Facebook down 4.5%. So the major six US technology companies, very tight correlation as well. I think we're looking at some semiconductors uh, names as well now. Let's see how they were faring as well. And again, I think it was Karen that was making the point in the previous session. Is there going to be substitution or is there going to be a fall in demand on a lot of products as well? Airlines, of course, were coming off aggressively from Air France in Europe to Ryanair to EasyJet as well. It was a similar kind of story for the likes of Delta and American Airlines as well. In fact, while I'm thinking about it, as my mind is going through the various scenarios, there was one group of uh, sellers who would have been a little bit panic yesterday and that would have been the, the class group let's say let's call them the day trading momentum margin traders if you were doing all three of those then you were having a howler yesterday because on momentum you've bought these markets up very aggressively on day trading you have to uh, mark your variation margin as opposed to your initial margin uh, on a daily basis and if you are having to post more margin perhaps you were one of the four sellers out there as well let's have a look at the casino groups as well before we get to Karen uh, casinos under a lot of pressure of course real concern about what is happening on travel and in Asia as well. But Karen, you're coming to the oil markets next. And I just have one little thought about oil markets as well. Uh, and if I may go on that before you get to your boards, and that is the fact that the energy sector has been one of the worst sectors so far this year. Year to date, it is down 15.3%. Just one question for our viewers out there and for you and for everyone else. Has global demand fallen 15%? And I would eat my hat if it had fallen by half of that. I know there's going to be a, a diminution of demand out of Asia, transportation, China, etc. But 15%, that would mean we go down from 100 billion barrels a day equivalent down to 85. Now, even at the height of the global financial crisis, if I can just say, we only went down from about 86, 87 million barrels down to around about 81, 82. The reality is the market's been very quick to price coronavirus in some quarters of the market, but not in others. And technology you showed yesterday was one area where markets kept on wading into that area of risk, kept on buying the market. Even Apple, despite warning around the coronavirus hit on the supply and demand side. So where you have seen the market position, though, has been around the safe havens to the upside and oil to the downside. And if I can just show you some of these trades, uh, safe havens first up. You saw gold yesterday, for instance, ran into a little bit of profit taking though and we've got it over here to show you 1647 where we're trading this morning we did hear a seven-year peak but then fell off some of those levels about eight tenths of a percent of the downside dollar yen that trade uh, despite a uh, huge march south on some of the yields in the states dollar was still supported so that correlation broke down between a foreign exchange between the dollar and bond markets euro has been a, a very weak trade in recent weeks it's uh, been a real casualty in, in this risk-off environment and you can see the 10-year note there on the boards and we saw yields effectively we've lost about 20 basis points in about three sessions so there's been a fairly significant fall back towards that 1.3 roughly handle that we saw in July 2016. Let me show you the oil markets a quick look at how that oil trade is. We fell about 4% in session yesterday, so another swift leg south. This morning we look a little bit more supported as uh, we've got a bit of reposition again. 56.60 the handle on Brent, and you can see our WTI. The three-month move has now been down just over 10%. Okay, just on that chart, I'm sorry, I don't want to ruin your flow, but 
can I can I walk across? Can I walk across Karen? Sorry, sorry to be a pain. But look at this. This is the low we got to at the high of the panic on the markets yesterday. And I, I, you should never turn your back on the camera, by the way. But look, I just did. Look at that. We, we're way lower in early February. So I'll pivot round, back to camera, do a little bit of a moonwalk back and let Karen carry on. <laughs> this is like strictly I just dancing. Do you, want, do you want to we take were part? Known, <laughs> we were nowhere near, in yesterday's high of planning, the lows of the early February. I must say, I've done a lot of walking. I've never done a 12. That was quite no, impressive. No, I wasn't really so One of the cardinal sins is showing you back to the camera, but I did it anyway. Hence all the moonwalking along this wall. Let me show you treasuries and yeah, a quick close-up. You can see 1.28 on the short end. Closely watch now as we talk about what the Fed may do in response to coronavirus. The 10-year, 1.39 is where we're now sitting. So still off that one point. 3.32 low back in 2016, but within reaching territory, we talk about the swift moves we've seen in short uh, periods of time. The 30-year, we're travelling at 1.85%, so we have seen a big march into a little bit more duration, but also pushing towards some of the lows that we've seen in session. 1.81%. That was an all-time low that flashed up. 1.85 where we're trading this morning. Okay, well, let's have a look at the US futures as well. Again, very thin markets at this time of day, but we are indebted to the ladies and gentlemen, and dare I say it, indebted to the machines that create a price uh, at this time of day. And as you can see, there is a little bit of a bounce back going on as well. Uh, as you can see, the Dow implied open 238 points better. The Nasdaq seen up around about 109 points. What the viewers didn't see is me having to walk to the camera so I can actually read it. That's going to make you one of those getting, telescopes getting old, so you can getting see. Getting old. Can I, can I just make three very quick points about how, what kind of investor are you? And the one is, are you a short-term investor? And there's some interesting things around the short term, which is very emotional. And obviously, depending on how you feel about coronavirus, this is a great survey done by Datatrek, how are you feel personally about your own health determines how you then feel about the markets. So if there are a lot of people out there who are worried about their own personal well-being, they will have a tendency to be more emotional about how they position. Is this and the hand gel measure? I don't know. Whether you you can call it the hand gel measure if you like. But the other interesting <laughs> point to note, and it's around the gold story, is where that 10-year yield is going because that yield is critical for those who are looking at gold and thinking how much further does this gold uh, story run for because obviously gold is a non-yielding asset and every time that yield comes down on the 10-year people scratch their head and say well that's a, a, another good reason to own gold which is a hedge against what is being implied by that falling yield. The medium-term story is the earnings revision and we've seen earnings already being revised down to something that looks like a three in the front of it rather than a five. And then the, the final one, I just want to make the point about the longer term story here. How much do we know about coronavirus at this stage? We, we don't know a whole lot, but it seems to me the underlying drivers still look relatively convincing. Um, for markets to end in decent shape Do by they? the end of the year, assuming that coronavirus ebbs away right. as a significant story. But of course, that's all to play for at this stage. So to me, the link is to the data around coronavirus, which is simply we don't know. There are so many unknowns about this. And one of the comments we had yesterday from WHO is that can you be reinfected from coronavirus if you've had it before? Because if you can and there's no vaccine, this thing could circle around, which could have a much longer impact for markets. And for me, that is the problem. What are we looking at? Are we looking at this V-shaped recovery that some market pundits are adamant we're going to see? Because that's what happened with 
SARS, or is it something completely different? And I think that makes it incredibly hard to price stocks and markets. And we saw it yesterday through the lens of a couple of CEOs. They're looking at the immediate hit to the supply chain. That's the, the clear and present danger, as they said. Do we have enough products that we could sell? They can't weigh up the demand side at this point, Just which means that's really hard to tell from the next topic. <laughs> I've got one more quick point. Uh, and this is, we're looking at this market move in one prism. And I think we're all better than that, actually. I think we're all way better than that. And I think you lot out there deserve a bit more than that as well. In fact, is it's not just about the coronavirus, why the market came off yesterday. It's not just about interest rates. It's not just about what you think is going on in China, growth, or whether you think President Xi's got a, a convincing growth strategy, or about Brexit, or about you. It's everything put in. So unfortunately, on days like today, we put it in the prism of coronavirus equals X on markets. And as we all know, it's three, four, five D as well. So I think you guys out there need to do your individual bits of research and just say, you know, what are the major factors? I mean, I'll give you something on the upside. FTSE dividend yield now, FTSE 100. You know, when we're talking 1.4% for the US 10-year, yeah. FTSE dividend yield, as of uh, a couple of seconds ago, I just checked, 4.66%. Well, if we're doing good news, did you see Moderna, the uh, US pharmaceutical stock, up right. 15% yesterday? They've already sent corona vac- coronavirus vaccines to the US government for them to begin significant testing. They think they may have something that could have this virus beat. But we'll have to wait and see. Oh, that would be medicine for the markets, wouldn't it? And uh, let's uh, take a look at the Asian markets and see how they're traveling today as a bit of a precursor to what we may see in Europe. Obviously, big falls across the European markets yesterday. Let's go to Matt Taylor for more on those Asian stocks. Matt. Well, I'm not going to turn my back on you guys. You'll have uh, the full view of the markets here. But across Asia, showing, showing some resilience today after those declines that we did see yesterday. In particular, I want to point out the South Korean market right here, because remember yesterday we had a 4% decline amid those rising number of cases that we were seeing in South Korea. But today a bounce back in the order of about 1% or so. Greater China markets emerging from the lunch break and seeing a bit of an improvement. We did have the Shanghai Composite down by about 2%, right now down by around about uh, 1% or so. Hong Kong just moving, well, it was just moving into positive territory. We have the Hong Kong budget out tomorrow as well, so it'll be interesting to see what measures we get out of uh, that city. Of course, remember the protests and now uh, coronavirus. Uh, you were mentioning corporate warnings on coronavirus. Australia and New Zealand in the midst of earnings season, and we have been getting a number of companies coming out warning about not only the short-term impact, but also the longer term and the visibility, the lack of visibility going forward when it comes to coronavirus on earnings. So those two markets closing are down significantly. Japan, though, this is the focal point today, on track for its worst day since March of last year. You might remember it was shut yesterday, and we've come back uh, with a big thud, down by 3.3% on the topics, and the Nikkei down by also about 3.3%, or 781 points. Remember, we were closed yesterday. We're also seeing safety flows into the Japanese yen as well, which is something that we didn't see uh, perhaps towards the end of last week. Uh, but right now on Japanese yen, 110.79. Remember, we were at 112 just a couple of days ago. So that is not helping out the Japanese market as well. Closing down, though, by about 3.3%. Back to you guys. Terrific, Matt. Thanks very much indeed for that. The number of confirmed coronavirus cases now totals more than 80,000 globally. South Korea and Iran have seen a spike in cases. Over 800 people have contracted the virus in South Korea, while Iranian authorities have confirmed 12 people have died from the outbreak. The death toll from the virus now stands at 2,690. 
Italy has confirmed at least 200 people have contracted coronavirus, while seven people have died in relation to the outbreak. Authorities still have 10 towns in northern Italy quarantined, a region that accounts for around 30% of the country's economic output. Let's get out to Claudio Pensotti then from Class CNBC. Uh, good morning once again, Claudia. Um, are we getting any closer to understanding the initial cause of the outbreak and thereby figuring out how we can close this down? Well, actually, Jeff, that is the big question that is circulating here. Uh, patient zero has still not been found. And that, of course, is limiting the possibility to try and track and uh, or rather backtrack and, and then sort of, um, I guess, limit, you know, based on who that person is, the spread of this virus. So if we had that information, clearly things would be a little uh, more predictable since we don't have that information. Uh, that is, you know... Uh, putting, uh, I'm afraid we're just going to pull out there, Claudia, apologies for that as well, because we have actually got the Saudi oil minister speaking uh, at a press conference now on CNBC there. So let's listen in. Make sure that uh, everybody would be attentive, be it medical, be it financial, be it economical. Uh, I think uh, we just have to be tranquilized. Uh, in attending to any of these activities. Are you aware that the fact that demand is dropping, sir, that uh, do you feel like there's an overhang in the market and OPEC Plus should be attentive to the fact there's quite a severe slowdown in demand? We have, we are, we do, we are, uh, do communicate with each other. Uh, We use every opportunity to talk with each other. Mm. We've been, just yesterday I had my friend from Bahrain, the co-host, and uh, the UAE because he's visiting for this conference and also the Secretary General of OPEC was here because he's attending this conference. We just had a good chat. So uh, we, we did not run out of ideas. We haven't lost our phones and there is always a good ways of communicating through conference calls and uh, technology is very helpful. Your Royal Highness, Your Royal Highness will Russia support any Russia. move to cut production? on board with you or not, do you think? They well, were hesitant the last time around, as you know. Well, will, will Russia well, support the move? <laughs> and, and we're still t- to communicating and talking. And if you uh, see His Excellency uh, Minister Novak's uh, last statement, he was just uh, positively engaged. And he is, I'm, I'm only quoting what he is saying, that uh, we're, we're communicating and we have not yet made our decision. Are there fractures within OPEC though? opportunity there, sir? I'm confident of our partnership uh, as OPEC Plus. I'm confident that uh, everybody in the OPEC Plus is responsive and responsible and responsive producer. So there's no fractures in this relationship? There's no fractures in this relationship? The Wall Street likes to write these stories. But you, sure you remembered how I was nicely quoted by Reuters. Thank you, Minister. Thank you, Your Royal Highness. Uh, nice to see um, our very own Dan getting uh, the last couple of questions in there as well. So very interesting. Look, let's put this in context. I would suggest... I've been a long-time OPEC watcher, as you know. I think the organisation is in deep trouble at the moment. I think the willingness to cut 
and seed market share at 50 odd bucks a barrel when exchequers are challenged and um, fiscal balance sheets need to balance at somewhere between 80 and 90 dollars a barrel and the product is being sold to asian customers at around about 50 dollars a barrel 55 dollars a barrel i think the organization has a huge amount of decisions to make fascinating uh, the way he answered the last question as well. I I think Dan put the question twice, didn't he? Yeah, he he did, yeah. Is is there disunity now among OPEC members? And we've been asking for a long time whether the Russians come back to the table. Mr. Sechin clearly would not like to have Mr. Novak sign another agreement that limits the ability of the Russians to put more oil into the market at this stage. Uh, And he just didn't answer the question, did he? Well, just on the nuance, they um, think that um, Shell is on the ropes at the moment because they know that shale investment has not been happening uh, as aggressively as investment elsewhere in the world at the moment. So they think that shale is giving up, will potentially start giving up a bit of market share, despite the fact it's going to peak at 13 to 14 billion million barrels a day this year as well. And just as this happens, the last thing I want to do is start giving shale a lifeline by cutting their own production. It is so delicious this is the moment. What sort of shape is the shale market in, in your view, if you start to see these lower prices stick for a little now, bit longer? Now, great. Mm. 2021, 2022, Massive question. And there isn't a US oil man out there who I think can disagree with me about this as well because they all think they're in a great position now, here today. They are absolutely 13, 14 million barrels a day, world record productions for the US oil industry. You've got to take your hat off to them. They've done it, they've nailed it. But there isn't the kind of investment that they would like to see for 2021, 22, 23, 24 to keep that momentum going, to keep that rate utilization going as well. So, so there's so question, questions. Do you think this market is pricing in some sort of supply action at this point? And if they don't get any mechanism uh, from OPEC cuts, exactly, if they don't get any quota changes, do you think the price falls? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't like to call the oil price a moment. But I mean, going back to our point there, height of the coronavirus concerns yesterday, markets are plummeting. The oil price was trading higher than its lows of February. That was very interesting. It's trying to form a base at 50 bucks WTI, at 55 bucks Brent as well. I, I, I'm, I've been watching it long enough to know that I'm not going to call the price. Uh, let's go back to Claudia. I mean, one of the issues around this uh, coronavirus story, of course, is that it gives central banks and monetary authorities the opportunity to step in if they need to, because they can always make the case this is not about a business cycle. This is about a, a force majeure, an act of God or something very different. So we'll keep an eye on what, you know, what further noise we get out of those kind of authorities. But Claudia, let's come back to you, because I think this is a very, very important point that the authorities in Italy at this point have still not managed to identify the catalyst for this um, very quickly growing number of infected cases. Yes, Jeff. I mean, we were saying that they don't know who this patient zero is. So, of course, that makes it harder to figure out the direction that this, uh, you know, contagion is going to take. So this sort of self quarantine that the Milanese have, or, you know, the, 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 the people from the Lombardy and the Veneto region have been uh, urged to undertake has actually so far been successful. I mean, the first, you know, work day yesterday uh, proved to be a day in which uh, we did see, you know, pretty much a city on hold, but at the same time, people still trying to get to work, uh, not through, of course, public transportation. The usually very loud, fast-paced city took on a whole different tone, uh, yet people are very calmly uh, trying to uh, face, you know, what is going to be probably weeks, uh, if not longer, of this sort of uh, new situation. So um, big businesses are trying to make their uh, employees be able to work in sort of a 
uh, off-site situation. Events are being canceled. We're seeing that happen more and more. We're seeing lots of cancellations of events. We're seeing cancellations of people who had non-urgent surgery, obviously, to leave beds empty in hospitals should they be necessary. So all sorts of areas are, 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 are of, of business and, and health care are moving very rapidly to try and prepare should they need uh, to, uh, you know, confront a much more grave situation than the one we have today. We do have, though, as you were saying, seven deaths confirmed. The total number of contagions has reached 230. As far as the economy and the markets are concerned, today is going to be a big day uh, in terms of authorities meeting, trying to decide what they can do in order to help uh, the Italian citizens, uh, discussions about blocking mortgage payments and, you know, giving subsidies uh, to people who cannot go to work. So we'll know more about that at the end of the day. As far as the market is concerned, we did see the seventh worst day on the Italian stock exchange since September 11th, the worst drop, one day drop since the beginning of 2018. And a little uh, more numbers are coming out, analysis about the GDP. You know, we've been saying 30% of Italian GDP comes from this region, from these two uh, large regions. But uh, just to note that the, um, the, the the areas that are the most involved, Pavia, Lodi, Cremona, and Milan, uh, actually represent 13% of Italian GDP, and that's 2% of European GDP. So numbers are starting to come out all over the place regarding what kind of a fall we could see for this first quarter. Uh, you know, the, mo- the most cautious uh, numbers say a drop of 0.1% in first quarter GDP. Others uh, talking about, of course, if this does not resolve quickly, Italy falling into a recession. And, of course, the impacts could be broader on the rest of Europe. Now, uh, you know, as far as the day-by-day activities, they will continue. Uh, we will see what kind of reaction the uh, Italians have on this second day uh, after a bit of panic over the weekend, runs on grocery stores to try and get supplies. Uh, you know, it seems as though people may be coming around to adjusting to the sort of new normal that will be our situation for the next week. Claudia, thank you very much for that. Uh, we're going to take you to some of the opening calls here in Europe this morning. What we are witnessing uh, before the start of trade, Green Arrow is coming back onto the charts after the worst daily performance since about 2016 for many of these markets. So we're looking for a little bit of a snapback. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on this show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.